All right. This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. And we're here to talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. It is, uh, yeah, September the 16th, wonderful Saturday afternoon, and we have Ruben Grilava. Grahalva. <laughs> Grahalva. Grahalva. Yep. I, I, should, I should know that. And uh, you are a, uh, a playwright and an actor. Are you an actor as well? Uh, I used to act. I haven't done it in a long time, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't claim that at the moment. Okay. <laughs> but I know you as a, um, as a film <coughs> uh, film producer, uh, you, um, I think you were still in San Francisco State, and uh, you had directed me in Shadowball. Yep. And that was a fantastic oh. experience. I really, really enjoyed that. Yep. So uh, we're, we're uh, glad to have I you. I enjoyed it too, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. It's good to see you again. Um, so, Norman, what's, uh, how's, how's your week been? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am working with a group of kindergartners and second graders. And that is um, a unique combination. I mean, these are little people who are mm-hmm. at different points of development. Yeah. And we're supposed to do a theater piece. Very so different from each one reach one, right? Very different from anything else that I do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, simple things. They can't read. So mm-hmm. we're not going to go there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the possibility of somebody breaking down into tears because you told them to wait a moment mm-hmm. or that they can't do that right now. Yeah is huge, so that'll be interesting. It's through the Arabian Shakespeare Company. It's oh, an nice. outreach program, and they lost somebody at the last minute and asked me if I would fill in. So Awesome. So that will define my fall. Oh, you'll be doing that from? I'll be doing that Mondays for the next nine weeks now. Oh, and okay. Well, hey, that that's a good gig. Oh, I remember yeah, that takes me back to um, Howard University used to have a children's theater called Hucked, Howard mm-hmm. University's Children's Theater. And it ranged from, I think, five years old all the way up to teenagers. Mm-hmm. And I found the seven-year-olds were wonderful. You know, like you get them to do something. Hey, we're going to be in on space. And they'd be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and they just jump right into it. Of course, the teenager's like, what the hell are we doing this? You know, I'm just so right, <laughs> right. eye rolling and, you know. I have, you. Whole, I have a whole bunch of back pocket <laughs> games that I usually bring in, and I'm like, oh, okay, can't can't do anything that takes an attention span that goes past like four people, because mm-hmm. they either check out or they all want to get on top of the person who's now acting. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> can we just stay back? So circle, just circle, circle yeah. doesn't work. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, okay, so, yeah, that, and then uh, and taxes. That's been the big things my week. I'm catching up on taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, the state made a mistake that they finally acknowledged after mm-hmm. years uh, because I got a professional to call them. Uh-huh. They've acknowledged it. They're backing off. They're sending letters to employers saying, don't garnish this man's wages. I'm like, it's a real friggin' time. Now can I get my money back? Oh, so no. that'll be interesting. Yeah. And then on the positive side, so my tax preparer is like, so th- by the way, this Friday, if you're an independent contractor, you know, you have your independent business. This Friday, you need to be making a payment. Hmm. I'm like, what? She's like, just send something in. Just send anything in. So I did that. For the first time in my career, I did that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm like, okay, I'm. this is what it is to be a big boy and <laughs> pay your taxes. Okay. But, you know, just thinking about it, because I don't even think about, you know, when I do a theater, this is one of those, you know, equity, non-equity, or, you know, career Basically, you have to collect ten ninety. What are they? Ten ninety nines. If you make more than six hundred dollars on any job, yeah, from any organization, right. you're supposed to get a ten ninety nine. Right, exactly. So you're and they're yeah. under law. Under law, they're supposed to provide it in the same way they give you a W two. Right. So you don't. You shouldn't have to go ask for it. If you have to go ask for it, they're actually in trouble. Yeah. 
Because I remember I, I did a voice work um, for a video game company. Mm-hmm. This was uh, five years ago. And they were late giving me my 1099, so I filled it in a little bit later. And, of course, I owed taxes as a result because uh-huh. I did my taxes before I got that in. Right. Because I didn't want to wait. Um, but you have to collect. You have to make sure every jo- single job that you do, and you do a bunch of jobs well, throughout no, the year. Well, no, it's so – this is what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. So um, when I went to her and said I had this problem, and, and, and my problem wasn't with the IRS. It was with the state. Mm-hmm. The IRS had my facts straight. The state mm-hmm. had messed up. Yeah. So we got in touch with the state. And out of frustration, I just stopped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you call the IRS, and they ask you a bunch of questions. And she's on the other side saying to me, don't, don't say anything. Don't answer. You're not required to answer. Don't mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Um, just give them your re- identifying information. Give me the phone. Mm-hmm. And I gave it to her. And she says, so we're not clear. He's not clear. He's an artist. He's not clear on numbers and crazy stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it that you have on record? And then they tell you everything that they have documented. Mm-hmm. So, for example, many years ago, in fact, it, it kind of fell off of their radar. Um, I did a job, mm-hmm. and I made, let's say, $700. And the guy hand-wrote a 1099. Mm-hmm. But he didn't know what he was doing, and he sent me the whole form. He sent me the copy he was supposed to send the IRS. He sent me mm-hmm. the copy he was supposed to keep. Mm-hmm. He sent me the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So they never got it. Mm-hmm. She said, well, one, it's way past the statute of limitation on this, so don't worry about that. Yeah. Two, if we reported it, he would get fined yeah. because he didn't do it. So anybody you work mm-hmm. for is required by law to get you that 1099. And to send forms to the IRS. And to send it into the IRS. Right. The other weird wrinkle in all this, though, is I worked for companies like Thick Description back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, when they got beat up by a bunch of theater companies got beat up. Theater companies, and I, I even have these. I have these um, these stubs mm-hmm. from theater companies that say travel. Mm-hmm. $75 a week, travel. Yeah. Well, the IRS started beating them up about that and saying, wait a minute. You got this person for 10 weeks, and <laughs> you're calling it travel? <laughs> And so companies like Thick Description started just – they went through a paymaster, and they started doing things. So I made $48 from Thick Description one year. They took out the taxes, the Social Security, mm-hmm. all the little stuff. They took all that little stuff out. And technically, at the end of the year, they would not have to report any of that. But they've already done it. They've already paid into it. Mm. So, of course, they report it. So then I have to report it because it's already – you know, the IRS has a copy of that. Mm-hmm. So we found out what the IRS had. We found out what documentation I had that supported that. And then we found crazy things like that one handwritten one. Mm-hmm. It's like, we'll just keep this in the file. And if it ever comes up, we'll say, oh, here it is. But, you know, it's it's just a crazy world of I'm just going to do whatever she tells me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to stay caught up. And I'm looking forward to what this does. The door that this opens for me is... I had an agent way back in the day, mm-hmm. and I started getting stuff. I was getting commercials, got some little TV stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I <coughs> just kind of said, you know what? Uh, this is this thing with the state. I'm fighting the state. This mm-hmm. is crazy. I, and I was running my theater company. I'm going to let that go for now. Yeah. And then I never went back to it because I figured the end of any year when somebody reported, mm-hmm. suddenly the state was going to be coming after them. Yeah. And now I'm like, no, I can get an agent again. I can actually get back out in the world. I feel like Wesley Snipes coming back to America. <laughs> well, I mean, it's – I mean, when I think about um, the fact that they're picking on you and we've got multi-billionaires who, you know, take pride mm-hmm. in not, you know, paying their taxes. You know, right. good old 
not to pick on number 46 again, but, right. you know, <clears throat> he bragged about not paying any tax. You know taxes. Elizabeth Carter. She and I mm-hmm. worked for, that's the old one that I had. Was, mm-hmm. It was actually 2000. Yeah. Um, and suddenly the state was coming after me about mm-hmm. this. They said I made $75,000 that year. Hmm. I mean, $72,000. Hmm. They missed the decimal point. I made $720 in a two-week gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sent them in paperwork. I made phone calls. I sent letters requesting that somebody please look at this. Couldn't get anywhere. Two phone calls from this professional. Done. Hmm. And it was like, okay. And so the state was happy because they were going, well, you owe us $13,000. <laughs> like, I... Uh, there are years where I didn't even make $13,000. Please, what are you talking about? No, for goodness sake. It's just ridiculous. No, so so all that ancient history has been hopefully put to rest, and I can come back into the light. Well, yeah, yeah, that, that's good. I mean, I, I've had my uh, little tax issues. Uh, basically, after coming out of NYU, I defaulted on my loan. So mm-hmm. I spent years just running, running away, and you know, sort of ducking and dodging. Didn't pay his loans? <laughs> yeah. I was a bad boy, but you know they, they got me via garnishments, and then one sweet day, it's like you paid, right? So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, I, I don't want to ever talk to the IRS again. <clears throat> like you don't have trouble like this, you, Ruben. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just thinking about all these, you know, independent projects I produce. I'm, I may have at times send out late 1099s. I mean, it happens. It means right. some of these things, like if you're the producer and the director and the writer and the Account, you know, the mm-hmm. accountant for the production. Right. You know, it's like you're just trying to keep your head above water. You're just right. trying to make sure that everyone shows up to the location on time. Right. And right. you're just, or if it's a, the, you know, theater work, you're trying to make sure you get to opening night with your head on still, you know. Right. And like, these are things, you know, that often there's artists also on the production side, right? Who are yeah. really artists first. Mm-hmm. Right. For whom all of the taxes and 1099 and making sure everybody's taken care of is. Is, is the chore part of the job, and mm-hmm. sometimes it slips through. It's stressful for both, you know, the producers and the, the performers in those situations. Yeah. And and the fact <laughs> that the IRS would go after, you know, what ultimately are pretty small, right. small yeah, exactly. potatoes is Yeah, it, is well, it wasn't. The IRS surprising. didn't make that mistake with me. The state did. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. letters from the state, the IRS is oblivious. Yeah. yeah. But even on a state level, I mean, you would think they are more, you know, they're bigger fishes to, to catch or what have you. I mean, not to... Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but it sounds like you're not stressed out anymore. It's hopefully, it's it's done. My world is so different. Like I do wake up, kind of going, "Wait a minute!" Um, instead of hunkering down, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's funny. I can talk to people about this. I can actually put this out in the world now because mm-hmm. it's like this is I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> yeah. But uh, things like, so I would do a job. Let's say I did a show. Let's mm-hmm. say it paid seven hundred dollars. Um, so they have to do a 1099 at the end of the year. They send that in. Mm-hmm. The state gets it and goes, oh, but this guy owes us money. So they send them a letter saying the next time you, you, next time you pay this guy, you've got to <coughs> garnish his wages. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't work with that theater company again, yeah. maybe for years. Mm-hmm. So next time I work with them, they don't go back through their files and go, oh, wait, those garnishments, where was that? And they don't think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's so many organizations that I worked with that – thankfully didn't ever garnish my wages or mm-hmm. they sent me the intent to do it mm-hmm. but then the opportunity never came up yeah and i'm like so so the state is chasing around just basically giving me a bad name mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. all these employers 
Do you find you do a lot of five hundred ninety nine dollar jobs for that reason? I mean, are there people like using this? It's interesting you brought that up. I was working with Off Broadway West and uh, Barbara Harder. Uh, Barbara, if you're listening, uh, hi. But um, so I did stage managing job for her. Plus, I was also doing the lights and the sound mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. And she was like, "Listen, we're supposed to pay you, I guess, twelve hundred or thirteen hundred. But I'm going to give you two checks. Mm-hmm. You know, she'll cut it up." Right. So that each one is less than six hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Right, so one's in December and one's in January. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah I, I have worked with companies that have done that. Yeah, <laughs> and if the IRS is listening, you, you, I, you know, my name is Pedro. Well, but that's that's legal. You know, <laughs> yeah. if if you work for somebody and they pay you in December, and then you do another piece of work for them in January. That's right. I mean, these are pretty small transgressions <laughs> compared to, as you said, what, what, what's, what our... Um, yeah, I mean, they're CEOs. I mean, you know, yeah. like Apple, who just put out their newest phone. I'm sure each of you are getting your iPhone X and iPhone... No, we, we just got a new desk. Is that right? Uh, yes, like, they still do sell those. Yeah. <laughs> Did you get an Apple? We got an Apple. Right on. There's, like, you know, there's no tower. There's mm-hmm. no nothing. Yeah. It's and iMac. And the screen's like that big, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. Well, mine's ancient, but uh, yeah. But getting back to Apple, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they have their offshore. I think their company is really based in Ireland, in Ireland mm-hmm. to escape paying taxes. <laughs> yeah. Right. So go after those guys, yeah. you know, not after us. Um, well, we don't have lobbyists because there are no <laughs> right. 99 cent lobbyists out there. <laughs> that would be nice. Somebody should corner that market, the 99 cent store lobbyists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of things, a couple of things have happened in the news. I don't know if anything has caught your attention. I sent you a post about uh, an eight-year boy who was nearly lynched. Um, right. Is that going on? There's climate change. Of course, that's still going on. So we, you know, survived two hurricanes, you know, and now well, there's another one. Survive meaning they passed. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see who survives. <laughs> Not everyone. And that, right, that right, the exactly. death count is probably yeah. pretty much done. But yeah. I, I read a horrible article about there's a sewage problem in Florida yeah. now. Yeah. Where there's yeah. just a backup of really bile. Well, I, mean, I think they, in, in Texas as well, they did some samples of the water in some of these flood areas, mm-hmm. and it's it's unsanitary. You yeah. know, it's ah, unsafe. Right. Really, really horrible. And do you, not do you have any better. family in Texas or Florida? I don't, uh, <clears throat> thankfully. But um, yeah, I wish everyone the best down there. Yeah. I, I have in-laws, and mm-hmm. like, and you know, the next <clears throat> day, my my niece-in-law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, was posting about the boys playing football. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, guess it didn't hit your area very hard. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, that, that's good. And thankfully. <clears throat> but no, I, mm-hmm. I'm i wondering. I, I'm loving – I love history. Yeah. I love um, – like I did 43 plays for 43 presidents. Fun little series mm-hmm. of mini oh, plays about all the presidents. Like that. Yeah. And when you get to Pierce, who is the president before The 14th Lincoln, president. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I think his wife yeah. dies <laughs> while he's in office, and he spends his, the son, rest his of, son dies, so, and he spends the rest of the time mm-hmm. in office drinking and That's barely right. getting anything done. That's right. And so the problem that had already been kicked down the road a number of times, mm-hmm. slavery. Yeah. Would he have done something about it or not? We don't yeah. really know. His personal. That was during the time of the Kansas-Nebraska Act. That was when Stephen Douglas had introduced that bill mm-hmm. to sort of break up. Uh, I think it was the Missouri Compromise, mm-hmm. and basically say, "Hey, listen, let's just let the people vote right. on whether to have you know slaves or whatever is popular sovereignty." Right. And I think it was during the time that Lincoln had lost his uh, senatorial uh, election to oh. Douglas. Uh-huh. But yeah, Pierce was a drunk. 
<laughs> and his wife blamed him for the son's death. That's right, that's what it was. The wife blamed on the train tracks yes. uh, on the on way, the way to, to the yeah. White House. Yeah, and really the Southerners were just manipulating Pierce. Pierce was the youngest president at the time. Oh, mm-hmm. but um, but I, I bring all that up to say, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's so funny because I I don't like our president, mm-hmm. but I don't want to blame him for stuff that was already going on. Right. Mm-hmm. And already, you know, battles that were already being fought in the nation, to suddenly blame him or to call him the cause of it is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You know, at most, he's the drum major <laughs> right. of some of this crap. Yeah. But I'm wondering if with climate change, we're just if with this extreme weather. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's be precise in our mm-hmm. terminology. With extreme weather, if we don't keep people from going back to try and stay in the same place. Like Key Largo mm-hmm. is a place I remember from a Humphrey Bogart movie. And what I remember about it is it was nowhere. It was far mm-hmm. away from everything, and nobody was out there. The numbers these days is insane. And what is the, like, mm-hmm. 90-something percent of the houses there are destroyed or affected? Yeah. Those people should not be allowed to move back <laughs> yeah. there. And I read an article about that where the city planners – were like, you know, I think there were developers who were like, yeah, 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 we want to do that because we want to make money and right. build it and then sell it. And there were people uh, in the minority who were like, listen, this is not a good idea mm-hmm. because this was not built. This was not, this ground was not made right. to hold houses mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Right. And uh, now. And so uh, I'm wondering if he's just going to let that go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like just like the slavery issue is just going to bubble to the point where the next president is going to have a pimple ready to pop. I think there's so many versions of that problem of people living in places that are no longer going to be habitable and right. maybe shouldn't have been – arguably shouldn't have been habitable to begin with, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you look at <coughs> Los Angeles or mm-hmm. Las Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. These cities built on deserts that are right. going to get more deserted or right. deserty, yeah. you yeah. know? Um yeah, it's going to be on a scale. I think they have a term for it. Yeah, yeah. right. It's going to be on a scale that, uh, you know, no, it's, yeah. I mean, it's going to happen over years, too. Yeah. So it's right. like it's hard to pin it on any one guy. Um, it, it, it's obviously catastrophic that he's reversing right. course yeah. on these things. But it's like the most, I think, uh, consequential things that Trump is going to do or is doing mm-hmm. are the things that we're not going to see the res- uh, result of for decades. Right. And sure. that's the the climate stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I had Cecilia Palmtag on last night, and uh, we had to talk about climate change. Uh, a lot of it was off off mic. And she said um, she believes that by 2100, you know, our population, the world population, will be greatly diminished um, mm-hmm. as a result of climate change. I, I really do believe that we've gone beyond the point of no return. As that far squeeze as is going to get ugly. It mm-hmm. just is. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. all those people who bought houses – and I felt that way in 2008 when people started losing houses. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some compensation for this, but clearly you cannot just say, well, we're going to ignore this mountain of debt in that instance or this climate situation in this instance and mm-hmm. say, you just get your house back. <laughs> the answers are going to have to be more complicated, and even the best scenario, those people are still going to lose something. Yeah. And people who lose something mm-hmm. often fight. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, so that, that's it's right. It's going to get ugly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Before I get into um, Ruben uh, Grijalva, 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 yeah, Grijalva, yeah, yes. Grijalva, Grijalva. Okay, I apologize. I'm going to get that right. No worries. But before we get into that, I wanted to. So today, uh, so this past week, ESPN analyst Jamel Hill makes a statement on Twitter mm-hmm. <laughs> about Trump, mm-hmm. and uh, regardless of whether you believe in the t- tweet or not, basically. ESPN condemned, well, uh, chastises her for right. saying it. 
the White House or at least Sarah Huckabee Sanders yep. makes an arbitrary statement without even checking that his residence, saying right. that it's a uh, fireable offense. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question that I pose to you know the both of you, if you've thought about it, is don't you have the right to say what you want to say even though you work the for The Democrats have charged her. She has been charged with – it's against the law for somebody in the White House to do that, to try oh, to – Oh, not Sanders. 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 Yeah. Oh. Was it Sanders that did it? Yeah. I thought you meant Jamel Hill. Never mind. Oh, you're talking, oh, about, it, you're talking it, about Sarah Huckabee yeah. Sanders. Not totally agree. Yeah. Talking yeah. about the Department That's of Arbitrary Statements, I think is what the, <laughs> yeah. the press office is called now. Before you open your mouth, <laughs> know the shot. <laughs> what I love is that they get so upset that Saturday Night Live uses this stuff, and it's like, are you kidding? This is so ridiculous. Yeah. This is right for comedy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she does have, like, the worst job in the world. But, yeah, she does. Well, that's why Spicer's so happy. Yeah. That's why Spicer's so yeah, happy right He's looking now. happy on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever. But <laughs> what, I, I think Jamel Hill has the right, as a citizen, to just say whatever she wants to say, although she works for ESPN. She works for ESPN, though. And I do think they get to protect their brand. But they have to be careful about what that censorship is. Because that's what it is. It's censorship. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they have to get it right. I mean, yeah. they have to they have to weigh like what what the public reaction is going to yeah. be to that, right? right. I mean, if I, I think if they've, if ESPN had said, "Listen, Jamel, if you're on Twitter, you're going to have to have some sort of a statement saying, listen, these are my views and mm-hmm. not the views of espn' right. Then blah 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 blah.' Right. But I think she has a right. I mean, whether it be a tweet or a Facebook post or whatever it is. But we take people down for that stuff all the time. <coughs> we find out that. Some guy slept with a 13-year-old. Oh, yeah, his boss suddenly goes, oh, you know what? you got to go. We, we can't keep you here. Yeah. We'll, let, we'll let the courts decide whether or not that's, you know, they, that's against the law and, mm-hmm. and whether you should be, you know, taken through that process. But our organization is not going to take that hit. I, I had that a few years ago. Um, I was dating a woman who had a little boy. Mm-hmm. And the father was really jealous. Mm. And I was getting along great with the little boy to the point where I was babysitting. Mm-hmm. He called CPS on me. What? And so the first time I just sort of sat nervously, because it happened twice. The mm-hmm. first time I sat nervously going, here's all my information. Please, I told my girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. give them all my information. Please, please, please. I want to do whatever I can to help clear this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, they investigated, and they said, yeah, we don't even need to talk to you now. This is ridiculous. We know what's going on. We see it. Mm-hmm. We see it all the time. Don't worry about it. I picked him up from school one day. He went to the school and made a complaint. So, again, CPS <coughs> got involved. Well, the school had been told I was coming to pick him up. Mm-hmm. I talked to all these administrators before I picked him up. Mm-hmm. We went and got some lunch and sat in the park, and then I took him home. Mm-hmm. So we were fairly public the whole time we were together. Mm-hmm. And what was it I supposedly did? I you know, that was – well, as soon as they started to investigate, that was a question that could not be answered. The man just made the accusation without mm-hmm. any real – and he said he kidnapped. He kidnapped my son. Well, so okay, I got in touch with him, and they got in touch with me to say, we know who this guy is. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, well, is there something you can do about it? And they're like, yes, we are. <laughs> we are actively moving towards him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, but I work with kids. Just the hint of this, my boss would be justified in going, mm. you know what, Norman, until that gets cleared up, yeah, exactly. we can't have you legally. We can't have you in the building. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so <clears throat> I don't want to defend her. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't – I do want to defend her. I don't want to say that ESPN has no right to in some way say, hey, 
was that thoughtful? I mean, because now the debate is whether or not the president is a supreme, white supremacist. I'm like, oh lord, how do you even, yeah. you know, how many of the video clips do you have to show before <laughs> you're going to? You know, oh, okay, 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 enough. Okay, yeah, yes, there's enough circumstantial evidence, yeah. but it is an opinion, and because um, he's mean, lost every court case on the immigrant ban, right? Based on his own words, right? They've lost every time they've lost. It's because they bring yeah. that in and go. He said, this. and he continues to file to the courts yeah. to try to uphold his uh, yeah. immigration ban, and the courts keep on knocking it down. Mm-hmm. I mean, if there was something within uh, her contract to say, listen, you represent ESPN, so everything that you say, do, or whatever, even if it's on social media, mm-hmm. you have to. If there's something. If she violated her contract, right. that she signed and she knew her. about it, right? In yeah. Is she, is she, wait, did she get fired? I I no, 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 she didn't. They, they, they chastised her. That, that's yeah. all that they did. But no, she's she's still on, yeah. which is a credit that I give to ESPN. It's a hard time. Mm-hmm. It's a hard time. Because the other sports story that yeah. I liked this week, and I'm not a big sports guy, but, um, oh, Ka- gosh. Uh, what's Kaepernick? His name? Kaepernick, yeah. Yeah. MVP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. The man's not even on a team. Oh, someone <laughs> recommended for MVP. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, the um, the – Players, pre- past and present, are uh-huh. part of some organization where they get to vote, and, and they about, voted him huh. MVP. I saw that this week, and I was interesting. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, that's that's kind of in your face. I think they're mocking a couple of other players. There have been a couple of other quarterbacks who have gotten great big deals. I think Blaine Gabbert got a, a massive deal, and he didn't even take a, a team to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Kaepernick, right. you know, already did that. Right. Yeah. So, who who knows? Who knows what's going on? Okay. Yeah, they, they, everybody, everybody who was comfortable in this kind of country is no longer comfortable. Mm-hmm. So even the you know the media who thought they could just sit back and be the media now yeah. they have to fight against being called fake news and yeah. you know uh oh you're held responsible for what this woman said on her Twitter feed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's gotten crazy and it shows how politics have become so polarized. It yeah. also makes me think of there was a basketball player Mahmoud Abdul Rauf who 10, maybe 20 years ago, was a Muslim who played in the NBA for, I think, the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And he refused to uh, to pledge allegiance to I remember the American that, flag. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he got slowly run out of the league. I mean, it became wow. a big news story, mm-hmm. although not, I don't think, as big as Kaepernick. Right. Because you didn't have social media yeah. and all that stuff. The NFL has always been really bad at this, though. You know what I mean? Like, they, if they, if there's a wrong answer, they're going to get it wrong, right? <laughs> yeah. if, if you look at the people they've been willing to protect and continue well, to Ezekiel give jobs, Elliott. right? Yeah. You know about the Ezekiel Elliott story? Mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott's yeah. a running back who raped a woman. Mm-hmm. Oh. And this is the second time the Cowboys did that. Signed a guy. There was a Greg Hardy. Convicted? Um, well, I think it's under investigation. Okay. But there were two things that Ezekiel Elliott did. Rape a woman, and also he went to a party and pulled down a woman's shirt. Oh, right. That just happened, yeah. Um, but, you know, he appealed it, and it's one of those things, well, you know, it isn't proven, and, you know, he hasn't been convicted in a court of law, so. <laughs> right. And, of course, the Players Association, which I really don't understand, are backing him because they have to back all of them. Yeah. I guess that's their job. Because that's what they're paid for. That's what yes. they're paid to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah. the Cowboys are not paid to uh, to sign Ezekiel or even punish him. I mean, the NFL wanted to punish him for six games. Mm-hmm. And a court of appeals is like, nope, you can't do that. So he's he's playing. Um, he'll be playing tomorrow. But yeah, you're absolutely right. So the NFL gets it wrong down. all the time. Well, and, that's horrible. Yeah, and with Kaepernick in particular, it's 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 because the NFL is fundamentally a conservative organization, right? Mm-hmm. That is is so. If you look at their marketing and their branding and the the way that they position themselves and the way they do the Star Spangled Banner as a, sure. the flyovers of the military yeah, right. and all that stuff, yeah. you know, I mean, they are 
positioning themselves as this like embodiment of yeah. American of a certain flavor of American values yeah. that Kaepernick is. You, you know, know, I think that may have began in 1993. Remember when the uh, the Persian Gulf War? Yeah. I think it began yeah. then because they got such a big rise, and I think what yeah. Houston was singing, and I think they just kept on that that um, that conservative bent. Yeah, they tied tied themselves to this very narrow uh, idea of patriotism. That mm-hmm. you know, I think that their that their fans get behind. Not all fans, obviously. It's, yeah. it's a diverse fan base, like anything else. Yeah. But the NFL, I think thinks that that's what their fan base Well, and the patriotism thing apparently just became big after 9-11. Yeah. So yeah. It's not like it's been going on forever since we started the country, <clears throat> no. Right. But I think the first big patriotic thing was the Super Bowl in 93. Yeah. The Persian Gulf War. That was when oh. Bush Sr. Right. No, 91. Yeah. When yeah. Bush Sr. was trying to win an election based on his winning the war. Right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that didn't work. Clinton won anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think that sort of began there. So let's talk about you. You know, um, um, how did you yeah. how did you get? So you're you're involved in what's the company that's now? It used to be the Thick House um, on Petrero Hill. Petrero Stage. So yeah, Petrero it's now stage. called the Petrero Stage, which has just been uh, taken over by Playground. Awesome. So I'm involved with Playground, uh, and I've been involved with them for I don't know five six years now. Yeah. As a playwright. Or As a playwright. Awesome. Primarily, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that's been a great. Uh, experience for me, Jim Kleinman, who's the the artistic director, has been a, a, a really good friend and and um, has really helped me, you know, develop as a writer. And 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 what's great about Playground, it's a community of writers, right? right. So so there's a pool of writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you apply to join the pool, and then you write these 10 minute plays that are performed actually at Berkeley Rep. Awesome. Um, and it's it's like it's it's sort of a contest, but it's a very friendly like environment. You know, mm-hmm. there's 30 something writers, and each month of the season there's a topic and you write to the topic mm-hmm. uh everyone writes to the topic and they pick six to do stage readings of it thick house i mean at uh berkeley rap yeah. and yeah. then at the end of the year they perform the they do full productions of the top six from the full season uh at thick house mm-hmm. now, now patrero stage and that's yeah. the basic playground model they also do commissions so they commissioned my last full-length play and then i'm actually working on a new commission for them right now Ooh. so they do full-length commissions and then we do other like little projects like we just opened the portrayal stage actually with Nor- norman was yeah, involved yeah, in that project probably, it's funny because we're almost we're towards the end of the year now and it's like oh wow that was that was nine months ago <laughs> it doesn't feel like it yeah <laughs> no it doesn't mm-hmm. yeah so we opened a, a portrayal stage which was renamed from Thick House, and and so they did all these renovations, and mm-hmm. it's it's actually uh, quite nice now. And yeah, I gotta go back there. I haven't been back since uh, two thousand and three, I think. Wow. Yeah. 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 You were mentioning Thick Description, I think, earlier, which was yeah. how the Thick House got the That's name. They correct? created the Thick House, so that it goes back in San Francisco history when the I Hotel, um, which was International Hotel, got taken over through redevelopment. A bunch of artists got pushed out, artist communities, and people were given vouchers. And these vouchers didn't come due until that building got built. And part of the agreement was, you know, a lot of buildings in the development, they have to either offer low-income housing or some sort of community space. Mm -hmm. So a theater group had a voucher from way back, Mm. and they were allowed – that space was the space they were going to be given. Well, you know, that was like decades and the theater company had grown and had another home and did stuff and said, yeah, we don't even have the wherewithal to try and go into an empty shell and build it out. Yeah. Thick Description went in and built it out. Huh. And it's funny. It's ironic because Thick Description built it out, and then it ran for a while, and then it was gone. It ran for more than 
even a decade, I think. Mm-hmm. And then um, they just sort of it became a rental house mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with a, s- a certain level of curation. There was there was definitely some choices about yeah. what was coming in. So Crowded Fire, Golden Thread. Yep, and they're still there. <coughs> and Playground yeah. um, has been doing their big events. Is, is Crowded Fire still time. there? Yeah. Uh, Crowded so Fire is still there and Golden Thread. Yeah, Playground's the master tenant now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're renting to this other, but Crowded Fire and Golden Thread are still like, you know, there's like three or four house companies basically that mm-hmm. are doing stuff throughout the year, and then there's up there trying to fill it with more events. It seems like they're doing a pretty good job filling it, especially now that it's renovated. They got air conditioning. That, that right. place was kind of infamous for summertime shows, the playground festivals in the mm-hmm. summer in June, and there's no air conditioning, uh, and, and it would get yeah, real hot heat. in there. You know, yeah. Patro- mm-hmm. it's you know at the top of Patrol Hill where, yeah, it, where yeah. it's pretty warm most of the time, and. Um, yeah, so that it's a, it's a great company, um, and uh, I really enjoy working with them. And uh, how long have you been with them? Um, since about 2012, I think. So five years, five six years, maybe yeah. 11, 2012, 11. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. and then um, and that's really been a, a great boost. I did a, I did a, a, my first full length in in 2010 uh, at Fort Mason, and then and, and I produced it and directed. it. I did the whole thing, mm-hmm. and it nearly killed me. And so I right. kind of like. Kind of, wa- I'm like, I'm not gonna do theater anymore for a while. I need a break. Like, it was one of those things where I, I you know, I put it all out there and, and mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> nearly killed me. So, mm-hmm. but uh, after that, I, you know, I said I, I want to just focus on the writing mm-hmm. and really develop that part of my, because I'm interested in the whole thing. I'm interested in producing. I'm interested in directing. I'm interested in mm-hmm. the whole, the whole uh, spectrum. And of course, I do film as well. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And that's how I, I know you. Um, do you still have you done any? F- film projects lately? So I actually did a film, a short film that was based on one of the more successful short plays that I wrote for Playground. So mm-hmm. it's also been really generative for new material that I can adapt mm-hmm. to film right. or adapt to other other formats. In fact, the, the project uh, Norman and I worked on, um, I'm thinking about adapting Full for, Steam for the Full, full yeah. Steam Ahead, which is about um, the revival of Anchor's, uh, Anchor Brewing Company right around the corner oh, wow. from, from Thick House or mm-hmm. Petrero Stage. Right. Um, uh, in the 1960s with Fritz Maytag. It's a really interesting story. It's sort of the the, the founding story of craft beer in America nice. with Fritz Maytag. So mm-hmm. so Norman directed that, and that was really fun to work on together. Um, and so that's material that I'm now thinking m- might be useful either in a f- film or television or some other mm-hmm. format. Um, <coughs> yeah, so well, the great thing about Playground is you're always doing these, you know, you get four days to write uh, a 10-minute play wow. about the topic that can be all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have see, you know, they have themes. <coughs> Sometimes it's like science and technology theme, or it's right. like a, they used to have a math night, which was really interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they've done all sorts of different things. And um, and so it just forces you to, to generate content in a, at a speed that, like, it's kind of necessary for someone like me who can definitely get too precious, can spend too long on things. <laughs> sure. Like there's something I was saying, you have four days, and whatever you have after four days is what yeah. you have. Right. I mean, you can revise it before it goes up or whatever, yeah. you know, like make edits. But, like, you have to, like, get – it has to be good enough to mm-hmm. win that initial contest to get through that those yeah. 36 plays or whatever. I'm interested right in that. The, the, it's an interesting business model because um, – uh, Central Central Works does something similar where they have like they they construct a play from scratch. Well, yeah, yeah. But they they well, it, they do. There start are a couple of companies topic. that go ahead. They do start with a topic, but mm-hmm. they um, but theirs their model is a little strange because they will often bring in all the people, the actors, the designers, 
right. to start and say, we're thinking about this idea, and then they'll build off of that. Mm-hmm. So it's more like collaboratively produced. Yeah. It's There's a, a higher level of collaboration, yeah. It's similar to what Amy Sass, uh, do you guys know Amy Sass? She's I here in, she's in Oakland. Oh, uh, yeah, the Flight Deck. Flight Deck, and mm-hmm. her company is called uh, Ragged Wing. Ragged Wing, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she's been involved. I, I think her birthday was recently yeah yeah i think we did a shout out for her. she does a lot of like i think collaborative yeah i'm noticing that's, that's sort of a newer business model for a lot of theater companies well instead of piano fight is right. insane with that there's mm-hmm. all kind, you just won yeah so uh, yeah that was actually a, a play that was a good example of a play that i wrote in four days for a playground uh-huh. and then was able to repurpose this year for piano fights uh short-lived mm-hmm. yeah because i had a, a bunch of short plays so i picked the one that i thought was the best one that didn't get produced for Best of Playground, right? I, I said, well, let's see if I can pull this out. And, do it. and, and sure enough, it won the uh, Congratulations. the short-lived competition that yeah. was a we month had, ago. We had Alan Coyne, who uh, yeah. had another piece that was... Uh, yep. Yeah. He, yeah, he had one about spies. Right, about right, spies, exactly. Yeah. So. yeah, no, it's... it's uh, this seems to be happening. So it's, it's always interesting to try and define what is Bay Area Theater. What is the culture of Bay mm-hmm. Area Theater? Right now, we're in this... I remember when, before the Fringe, it was called the Fringe, it was called Bash. Hmm. Because it was all these local companies doing little short pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it became the fringe. It evolved into the fringe. I feel like we're in that kind of an era now where there are all these places that are taking short pieces. Because mm-hmm. I know Play Cafe even does some stuff with short pieces. That's right. Um, and it just feels like that. I, when I first heard of that model, I thought, well, what do you do with that? What does the writer do with that? What does anybody do with that? I feel like I'm seeing more ways, and you're definitely outlining some ways that the writer gets a chance to work with this material and then develop it yeah. further. Yeah, it doesn't just end with just, I don't know, a 10-piece, pe- whatever. You can you can expand it. You yeah, can. yeah. so like you were asking about the film I made. So the, the, the first play I wrote for Playground that sort of got, took off, went into Best of Playground, got some, some people liked it, was called Value of a Replacement, which was uh, about steroids and baseball. And that was then they got a commission to write a full length of that that premiered uh, last year, 2016 summer, mm-hmm. the full length premiered at, at Petrero Stage. Actually, it was still Thick House right. with no air conditioning then. So <laughs> I wish it had premiered this year, but um, yeah. And um, so that was an example of like, uh, it, was a, it was an idea I'd sort of had in my head for years of like, uh, it's actually about a radio host, like a talk, sports talk radio host, mm-hmm. who, uh, you know, it's like a, one of these journalists and athlete combinations that you hear all the time sure, on, on sure. like KNBR, whatever, right? Yeah. And it's years after he's out of the game and he's the, he's now got this successful career in broadcast, it comes out that he was using steroids during his career. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of about him doing damage control on this. So anyways, this is this germ of an idea I had for a long time. What's great about Playground is one, one uh, month, the, the topic was play ball. And I'm like, I wonder if this is an interesting chance to try out this idea and of course we worked on a baseball project together so you know that's that's, right. that's a passion and interest yeah. of mine and and how really how baseball intersects with culture and stuff like that right right um so uh so this was another another take on that and and from that i got not just the short play which mm-hmm. i wrote be, you know under this deadline pressure but then uh, a commission to to expand that to a full length which ultimately got produced and and won a um Egerton New Play Award and and uh, was a, a Neil O'Neill finalist and so w- was so far my most successful full length and then uh, and then I adapted the short uh, script into a sh- short movie mm-hmm. script and made the short movie yeah n- no that's fantastic and you see the trajectory from 
it just being a work in progress or, you know, something that's that you do in a workshop, all of a sudden it grows into something um, bigger. So, and now was that your trajectory or was that the trajectory of the, um, the, the, uh, the play, it's the playhouse? Uh, it's, it's both. Okay. So, so what it is, is, uh, it, it sort of forced me. It was an idea I had rolling around, but like hadn't done anything with. I had a couple of napkin scribbles or whatever about right. it. And it was like, it forced me to, to audition essentially the, the idea to mm-hmm. put it out in front of people. Because, so you write the play on, you, you get the topic on Friday, you right. tur- turn in a play Tuesday morning. So you have four and a half days, I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, it is on stage. I mean, if you get selected, it's right. on stage by the following Monday. Mm-hmm. So within the span of just over a week, you go from nothing right. to actually being in an audience, and they get pretty packed audiences at Berkeley right. Rep. You get like you know three, mm-hmm. four hundred people in there, and you're 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 immediately getting feedback in a way that's faster than any other. Thing I've seen. Do the audience? Do they get to tell you what they like, what they don't like? It's not, no, it's it's more like the, there's the, no talk. There's no formal talk. Back. No. people hang out. Yeah, people will talk to you afterwards. Okay. You, you get a sense for when something's working or not, and also there's just that ambient sense that you always get when you're in the audience. You sure. can tell if it's working or not generally. Right. So, um, yeah. So you get that constructive feedback. Uh, in fact, that's why um, I entered the play. I did in, in the. Uh, in the piano fight this year is because mm-hmm. at Berkeley Rep it had a very good reading and a very good audience response. I'm like, I think that I think this one has more legs. So awesome, awesome. Um, no, I've enjoyed. I've been involved with Playground. Well, it's funny. I was involved with Playground as an actor, and then didn't do anything for years, and then got back into the acting pool just as they started to have problems with the union. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Wow, I'm really sorry. I hope that'll work out. I would love to be there, but we're trying. I'm also a director. <laughs> And so he's like, oh, well, let me put you in the directing pool. And that's been fantastic. And it's great to see when I talk about Bay Area culture, what is the theater culture, when you see that active community of actors, Mm -hmm. when you get to see people who you saw a couple of months ago, you saw last month, you're getting to work with them again, you see them someplace else. And it was actually, um, there was an open letter that was written to the union saying, hey, you're actually putting us in an awkward position because there's this company of actors that gets to work with Playground, and they get to do the whole season. Now, yeah, you're coming in for one day to to do a quick script in hand, get this up, Mm -hmm. read of this piece, but um, you're getting to interact with all these different people. You're getting that experience in front of an audience. Fair amount of the theater community comes out for this stuff, and everybody, you know, I don't think a month goes by where you don't hear from somebody. Oh, I lost an actor. I'm looking for somebody. Do you know a young woman? You know, in this within these parameters or whatever. Yeah. And when you've just seen a couple of dozen actors on stage, you're like, hey, okay, well, yeah, I think I saw some people. I can tell you. And so the, that was what the letter. That was one of the major mm-hmm. things in the letter was. This isn't about the little bit of money because Playground, it's a quick commitment, so it doesn't pay a lot. It's about being exposed. It's about getting to work on this material. It's about... Um, Community building, too. Well, uh, what was the play? Um, Scapegoat. Mm-hmm. I've seen the original s- scene what? at the Playground the night. And then I got to do, I got to be in, as an actor, the mm-hmm. fully realized script. And I was like, you wow, mentioned Bill Bivens. Uh, you yeah. know Bill Bivens? I do. Yeah, yeah okay. Bill Bivens has is, is been in Playground for a while, too. And I, I saw you in Scapegoat. Actually, I saw that reading. So it was so fun. It was great. Yeah. And yeah. it was exciting, and it was different. It was way different from 
what he had presented at the playground thing, the mm-hmm. quick 10-minute mm-hmm. idea, that sketch grew. It grew wonderfully sketch, <laughs> a, a play about comic books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, it grew into this wonderfully passionate mm-hmm. thing. I mean, I was in tears in the reading. I, I just loved it so much. And it's great to feel like there is something in the Bay Area that allows local playwrights that kind of exposure. Yeah, and from my perspective, the, the experience the first time I got selected for, for Monday night and saw the, what these equity actors could do mm-hmm. with a script and hand reading Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just unbelievable, yeah. right? And yeah. and um and not all of them are active equity, but a lot of them were, right. which is why it's 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 unfortunate what's going on right now. And I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on that. But well, it's great for the non-equity actors. Yeah, we because are, that, yeah. that middle-aged black guy who yeah. could be dad yeah. <laughs> is now getting the work that I'd be getting. Yeah. And that means when somebody says, "Hey, we're looking for a middle-aged black guy to play dad in our play." The people who saw that are going to say, oh, that guy. Yeah. And they're going to get more the exposure. I'm going to miss out on. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at them or their talent. Sure. But, uh, and we've had but some I great, hope it can all be worked out. Great people come in the last season when we've not had the equity. Um, um, right. Carlos. Uh, Aguirre. Aguirre. I, I see. Yeah. Talk about pronouncing yeah. names. But Aguirre? He's, he, Aguirre? Yeah. It's not Aguirre. Okay. That's not, but it's yeah. Aguirre. Like war. It's yeah, 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 yeah. He's 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 excellent. He's amazing. Yeah, so. He's, he's a dream. And there's a lot. There yeah. are a lot. So, yeah, I don't mean in any way to denigrate the talent pool. Mm-hmm. It just means that there's a choice going on. And you're right. Union actors might be in a position where they can walk in and grab a script cold and mm-hmm. jump into it, have some That's skills. an expectation. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you because it's a guessing game for non-equity. I mean, I know I'm non-equity, but mm-hmm. if you have someone not that experienced, yeah. You don't know how they're going to handle, you know, especially a cold read. Right. And this is your work. Yeah. You want to you make sure if someone stumbles or whatever, all of a sudden that could throw the audience off I, and right. people don't even focus on the work anymore. I would also say that that cold read, especially at the, you know, the one-hour rehearsal, then we're yeah. not in front of a lot of people at Berkeley Rap. I think that's a, a quality that, that uh, is very specific. Like, and not every act, equity actor is going to be great at that either, right? It's mm-hmm. like that's th- that right. being able to grok something immediately and get it. You know, some actors and you know, th- yeah. th- they just need more time with the material, whatever. Right. Like to be able to do that and bring something to life the way that s- some of these, especially the playground actors who've been doing it a while and really know that know the thing. It's it's amazing to watch. Yeah. yeah. But you have a, you have an expectation that an equity actor will. Has has a better skill set. Well, they, they may. They um, the odds because I know from my experience, it's, it's an odds thing. As a yeah. as somebody who's grown up in Bay Area theater, mm-hmm. you know my career. Uh, the people I started out with, a lot of them are not doing it anymore. So when they are looking for a middle aged guy, yeah, the odds of finding somebody in my age range, mm-hmm. non union, mm-hmm. actively involved, because it's like anything. If you're a skater. And you suddenly go two years without skating. You mm-hmm. can't just put the skates on and go zoom. You can't do it. <laughs> right, right. So in the same way, that actor who stayed in the game. Yeah. Like um, I just saw a post. Uh, Jim James Carpenter. Jimmy Carpenter is down in I think the Mark Taper Forum in some development piece right now. And I'm like, yay! I'm always a local actor who has been doing it since I started. Mm-hmm. I remember seeing him and hearing about him. I've watched him get older. I've watched him take on some older roles, but he still plays. He still plays that middle age so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great to feel like there's that kind of culture being supported here. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not going to support it if you don't keep those people active. Mm-hmm. So maybe that 
non-union community theater, however you want to label that person. Mm-hmm. The term I hate is non-professional. I don't think they're non-professional. They've been at it. Right. They're professional. Right. Um, but that person who has been at it, yeah, mm-hmm. they can probably jump in just as easily as anybody else. That young person who's just coming straight out of college and has been working a lot with scripts, mm-hmm. yeah. they might jump yeah. into it that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. I mean, I always have a Rolodex in my head of actors that I want to work with. And, like, I'm a budding writer my own self, and mm-hmm. I know, like, when I work with Play Cafe, they were like, well, you know, we think we can find some actors. I'm like, no, 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 I think I've got, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got I've my got little some. list. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you always want to have that Rolodex in your head. It's no guarantee that they will be available. Sure. Right. But well, if, you know, right. if you know someone that you really, really cherish and you really enjoy working with and you know they can handle the material – you hold on to that and I, as I th- long as you possibly can. I think that's one of the, the chief benefits for me of Playground. Maybe the biggest one is just the, the community that I that I have available now that know me and I know them. They're interested in working with me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like I didn't have any of that before that. And I think part of my uh, struggles in 2010 when I produced my own work was like not knowing and right. it's, I'm like casting in the dark. And, right. it's, you know, not that they, ever, you know, they were bad. It's just like. Like now, I have this this pool right. of people mm-hmm. who I can call on, and get, you know, it's it's, and I know what they can do. I'm like with extreme confidence. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping these venues, you know, because Playground is definitely like the the grandfather of this experience here in the Bay Area. Yeah. But all the um, different organizations through play uh, to piano fight. Um, yeah. You know, I know Shots is another one that Shots. I got to do a bunch of stuff with, and it was really fun and. Now they're trying to talk to the union, and I'm like, okay, well, good luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it helps. I want to feel like there are things that you can identify about Bay Area theater. I mean, on a totally different bent, word for word is a gorgeous company, uh-huh. and they do wonderfully amazing work. To know what the what the terrain is of the Bay Area theater scene, and to be able to appreciate, well, these people do their own little specialized thing, and that's great. And then where do those things translate? When do you bring somebody from Cal Shakes yeah. to word for word or, you know, whatever? Yeah. You know, it's – it's. I'm hopeful. I, I still am in touch with old friends, and we talk about the theater scene, and we have a tendency to go, well, you know, remember when that closed? Like, we all mourn that the Eureka Theater closed. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't mourn that anyway. Like, Harry Dean Stanton just died, right? Yep. I think he's an amazing actor. I loved him. He's made me cry I don't know how many times. Mm-hmm. Um he was 91 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did oh, pretty good. Frank Vincent. Frank Vincent <laughs> passed away. Mm-hmm. He did Goodfellas. He was, uh, oh. he was uh, Billy Bats, uh, Joey Bats. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah. so the Eureka Theater hasn't been a producing agency in I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. So the loss of the, the Eureka Theater, well, the space is still there, and 42nd Street Moon. Also, I think Rhino's there now. Rhino. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rhino's those folks are still keeping the space going. It's still alive. It's still doing exactly what it was doing right. when it was called the Eureka. Yeah. Um, and people can so still rent it out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still available. But what people my generation don't always remember is there's always that new energy coming mm-hmm. in and bringing new stuff to it. And, yes, I don't want the idiot who doesn't know that it's not safe to ask me to get up on that rickety table. Right, right, right. <laughs> I don't want that person, but I am totally willing to talk to the young person who's like, I've got this crazy idea. I want to make sure we're safe. I, I say crazy idea, and then the next thought that comes into my head is Michael Moran. <laughs> but um, at Ubuntu, mm-hmm. Michael has his own way of approaching stuff, but it feels respectful. Mm-hmm. It's creative as hell. We yeah. did a whole thing for Death of a Salesman with these umbrellas. Yeah. We spent a lot of time in rehearsals working with these umbrellas. 
Then we ended up using them in the play not even a handful of times, mm-hmm. maybe three times. And they were huge moments. They, they, it really popped. But he recognized that doing all that work gave us a vocabulary to, to build on. Nobody else had that in their head. He had that in his head. And that I'm like, wow, yes, let me work with more people who may be young enough to be my son, <laughs> mm-hmm. but who are coming at something in a way that is still interesting and vital. And that is what Bay Area Theater looks like right now. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Let's hear an origin story. I mean, how did you yes. get how did you get involved? What got in? you in theater? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I suppose uh, it was in kindergarten when I played the big bad wolf <laughs> uh, with the three little pigs, and um, you know, found that I I had a uh, I felt comfortable in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. I felt comfortable in a way that I don't feel not in front of you. Know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like when you go on stage, and I don't I don't act anymore, but I think this was my gateway to, to what I do now, it's like you have permission mm-hmm. to be in ways that I don't feel personally I have permission to be in real life, you know yeah. what I mean? It's yeah. just like, I'm not an outgoing, I'm not are, a... Are you a native of the Bay? Yeah, I'm from San Jose. Okay. Oh. So I've been here my whole life, and I mean, I live in the city now, and I've lived there since 2004, so, oh. um, yep, Bay Area native. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Um, so I went to school, yeah, in, in San Jose, and and was the big bad wolf, and just had this feeling of like I can be, I can express all these things, and mm-hmm. it's okay because that's what I'm, that's what I'm here, that's the job to do here. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not, right. I'm not the most outgoing person. I'm not, I'm not a, a an extrovert actually in 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 regular life, but in this in this venue I can. And the same thing with you know now as a playwright, mm-hmm. I have this permission to to say what I think about the world and what my experience is in a way that, like, maybe you don't feel in in day-to-day circumstances. Uh, But on a podcast, you can talk about Uh, it, which is what we're doing here. Well, did you go, did you continue in school with theater? Yeah, so I did, I did, uh, you know, theater in high school and uh, junior high, high school, I mean, Mm -hmm. pretty much all the way through was Mm -hmm. acting. I was in Streetcar Named Desire and uh, and Cat in Hot Tin Roof. I was Stanley. Right. I was Brick in uh, Cat in Hot Tin Roof. And I, I, you know, my drama department obviously was doing the things we heavy hitting stuff yeah exactly yeah. you know at the time i didn't understand why some of the parents were upset we were doing those plays i didn't get it at all so right. it says yeah, why not but um but i think that also formed my like sensibilities where you know mm-hmm. engaging with tennessee williams as a as a high school student mm-hmm. I, you know i immediately saw like the possibilities of what mm-hmm. theater could be beyond you know the sort of who's you're a good man charlie brown right things that you you know by that birdie that are yeah. done elsewhere um, and so, although we did the, those things too, but like, mm-hmm. you know, having the opportunity to engage with really media material early. And then right. I went on, continued in college sometime, um, in that late in high school and then early in college, I, I, I kind of realized that, um, I was more interested in the, the storytelling than I was in, in like being the guy on stage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In part, because I feel like. Uh, as an actor, and you kind of reference this, and you're like, I'm mm-hmm. middle-aged black guy dad, you know, right. like, like you, you, you can only be what your body is to some extent, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. there's some, some areas where Stacey Ross is out there. Exactly. Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, she's great. I mean, it, you know, so you can stretch just to a certain extent, but I was like, I'm always going to be, like, this is how I look, this is how I sound, I can modify it within certain parameters, mm-hmm. whereas I feel like as a writer, and as a director, as someone like mm-hmm. behind the scenes, I can stretch into areas that are not me at all, uh-huh. or, or they always have to have a thread of me. Otherwise, That's I can't true. find my way in. But right. like, I mean, I sort of use art as a way to explore um, things that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And as an actor, uh, and I, I love great actors, but like 
for me it was like okay i'm gonna be limited by what i what i look like and mm-hmm. what i sound like and um yeah i want to i want to be on the other side where i can doesn't matter right mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh you know we i talked with um we had Susan Evans on, and we had a couple of other writers and also directors, and I've talked to them about what they want to convey as artists. When we think about artists, I think the conventional person will see the person on stage and say, okay, that's the actor, that's the artist, mm-hmm. instead of the piece itself mm-hmm. as an art and the writer as mm-hmm. the artist. What do you want to convey as a writer? I mean, I, I, you know, there are all sorts of things that, that, that speak to you. Like baseball, you know, like mm-hmm. you've done a couple of things on baseball, mm-hmm. but I'm sure there are other things that that um, that that you want to convey. Yeah, like I, I tend to try and, I mean, so baseball is an example of something that's interesting to me. Like actually, before I ever wanted to be an actor or a writer or a director or any of these things, I wanted to be a baseball player, right? Uh-huh. So I have yeah. this, this is a, 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 a key part of myself is that when I was five years old, I saw myself as being a baseball player, mm-hmm, and yeah. that was just obvious that that was where my life was mm-hmm. going to go. And of course, you know, I, I, I that didn't happen. But and and I realized pretty quickly that w- that was probably not going to happen. But this is a way for me to engage with something that I'm super interested in in a way that I do have the, the skill mm-hmm. to, to do. You know, yeah. in, in filmmaking and, and and writing plays and stuff like that. But I'm not just interested in making a play about baseball. I'm not going to make you know the the where the the, the team yeah. wins at the end who but there's also social the commentary as well yeah, exactly so mm-hmm. i'm i'm using baseball as as sort of a, a vehicle for talking about other things mm-hmm. um you know in, in in whether it's shadow ball or valuable replacement i'm, mm-hmm. I'm talking about how baseball which is a piece of our culture and an right. important part of our culture um interacts with the greater world i mean to a certain extent i'm doing the same thing with beer in this right. in this yes. story right to a certain extent i'm doing it with um so the the play that just won uh the piano fight thing was about world of warcraft hmm. but it wasn't i mean that was the setting and then i'm interested in in um the idea of you know people playing in simulated worlds and what that says about yeah. you know per- performance and what that says about you know mm-hmm. um who I am inside versus who I want to, who I can project to the world, and this, I guess, obsession with like not being limited by that, right? Because on online you can be an orc <coughs> if you want to be sure. an orc, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's always something fascinating. I mean, you know, there, there have been a couple of films that have dealt. I think it began in the aughts or maybe in the mid '90s, where you had Dark World, you had The Matrix, mm-hmm. you had Ed TV, right. mm-hmm. you had uh, The Truman Show, which dealt with the alternate reality. Yeah, I think our it was our first foray into the internet, and and you know, establishing a different. I guess a different persona because you can be anything that you want to be online. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's something that we're <laughs> we're dealing with the real world ramifications of right now. I mean, in a lot of ways, like what's happening in politics in this country yeah. and 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 in and media is the result of this sort of people stepping to this space where they feel more free for some reason to say things they wouldn't say. Right, you know, face, face to face, face. and yeah. now it's become with, the new mask. And now with Trump, it's almost like the mask coming off. It's like all right. this, all this is built up, right? Yeah. And you see people in Charlottesville marching with like no mask, right? right. They're just out yeah. in the open because yeah. mm-hmm. the, the, there's a critical mass of you know online yeah. foment of people. Matter of fact, I think there's going to be a march uh, today in uh, in Berkeley. I think. Oh, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. More Antifa. There's someone in Berkeley who's going to be doing a speech. There's, I don't even know uh, why yes. Berkeley is doing this, why they're allowing these alt-right or these conservative folks to Because speak they've whatever. been invited to well, come. Well, yeah, I guess so. And somebody is funneling money to make sure that they can come. It's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting problem because Berkeley is like the birth of the free speech movement. So right. they're, in a, they're in a tricky situation, right? Right. Like, they don't want violence on their campus. They don't want to be seen as 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 uh, sort of amplifying negative voices. Right. At the same time, there there's a real hard problem of like where's the line, right? right. Well, who who right. gets to decide? Free speech. You, right. you know, are you going to let these unpopular ideas yeah. be heard because you said that you're yeah. support free speech. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talk about the legalities of that as well. I mean, uh, you it's free speech, but there's also, you know, um, if you shout fire, you can't right. shout fire in a uh, right. in a in a, in a theater because yeah. it will, you know, the intent is to cause harm because right. but the, yeah, but you have to decide when somebody is shouting fire and when somebody is just That's exactly having a right. discussion. You know, if I and say if it, doesn't, if it doesn't reach that level, if of, I say this movie's a bomb and somebody wants <laughs> to get upset about that. That's, yeah. Well, no, I mean, yeah, I, and yeah, I don't no. mean that humorously. I mean, you're right. if you, you find, I find myself, I occasionally want to make reference to something like, say, terrorism. Yeah. And in a different context. And you're at the airport. And yeah. <laughs> and you can't. You're yeah. like, ooh, I really don't want to spend the next two hours sitting in a room somewhere while they parse through this and mm-hmm. go through my history and try to figure out that I'm not a threat. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. But they have to, you know, they have to keep the door open to that. Mm hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. Right. I, well, my my cons- I, I I tend a little more toward the like free speech absolutism because mm-hmm. I don't want <laughs> I don't want someone like Trump telling me what you can and can't say, right? right. I don't want to open the door even a crack well, to, to yes. where someone who's an activist that I agree with. Right. I mean, I you know certainly don't agree with uh, these people coming and talking to, to at Berkeley or, or right. marching or whatever. Right. But but but. You know, it, that, then you're at the whim of whoever's in charge, mm-hmm. right? You know, yeah. Uh, and it, it Berkeley, maybe we like, oh well, these are the these are the liberals. This is our side. This is the good right. people. They're in charge. They can they can responsibly shut it down. I don't know. They right. I don't right. know that they'll always be in charge. Right. And at at, at some levels of, of of our institutions, they're obviously not in charge. Right. And yeah. it's how we got where we are now is. People started to say, well, you know, in extreme, in extreme situations, you need to cut down on these rights and we need to close things down. Well, yeah, that might have worked for a minute, but now we're in a position where the people in power are going, well, mm-hmm. then we get to do it too. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that, that I, I just finished a faith podcast, my Christian podcast that I have with Craig Dickerson, and we were talking about the civil rights movement and how the um, both the southern southern uh, freedom fighters mm-hmm. um, King Abernathy and Ralph Bunch and a bunch of others, and the Northerners, which right. were Malcolm X, Stokely Carmichael, Rat Brown, how they dealt with racism and fighting um, um, segregation, mm-hmm. where one side said, "Hey, you know, we're going to be peacefully and we're going to march with dignity mm-hmm. and under the right. foundation of Christianity." And the other one was like, the ballot of the bullet, F this, you know, right. they punch We're us, gonna you know, I'm going to bring a gun. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we talked about the two. And I wonder, in this day and age, there will always be people who will have evil thoughts or bad thoughts or, you know, justified, hey, you know, we can't mm-hmm. have these immigrants. They're stealing jobs right. and they're causing destruction or whatever. These these very absolute polarizing thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's not so much, in my mind, how do you do, you know – why are these people evil or bad or whatever, but how do you deal with it? I mean, what's the answer from the Democrat Party or from the left? Well, from anywhere, I think the answer has to be 
that, that you set a consistent set of rules, mm-hmm. that and you adhere to those rules. I mean, to, to put it real simply, Michelle Obama, <laughs> when they go low, mm-hmm. we go high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it go. doesn't matter how dirty and nasty it gets. Mm-hmm. If you become dirty and nasty too, then you're dirty and nasty. Mm-hmm. So well, if dirty and nasty is bad, then everybody is yeah. dirty and nasty. Yeah. And yeah, right. Uh, the the teacher who apparently is being, I guess she's a former teacher now. Yeah. Uh, oh, and she sets up. She said something bad about. She, uh, no, she punched. She she's the one that was in the videotape punching. Um, oh, is that right? A guy, uh-huh. and they charged her with assault, and she well, said, yeah. "It's not assault when I'm punching a white supremacist." <laughs> and I was like, "I'm sorry, lady. I really want to support you." Yeah, but and everyone feels justified in doing what they do. You know, right. everyone but says, "Captain because. America punching Hitler in the face." Picture, sure. right? It's like right. The Nazis are, are, you know, the, they, they are the movie villains who we can we right. can root against without any feelings of, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, you can't. But you can't get away with that. And yeah. what I want people to remember, and you, when you started to talk about it in that historical context, mm-hmm. is it's not history. It's always happening. It's right. always yeah. continuing. Right. It's always going on. So rather than say, well, at this moment we just need to throw the rules out and do what we think needs to be done to get this done, we're going to have mm-hmm. a future moment, and right. we're going to look back at this moment. Right. And are we going to feel good about what we did? Did right. we do it in a way that we thought was right? Right. Excellent point. And my, you know, my favorite statement. You know, you can't fight evil by becoming evil. You right. Know, you can't do the same thing that uh, that the other side is doing. And right, twenty years from now, you know, our kids will say, "Well, hey, you know, what happened here? Why'd you do that?" And you can explain all you want. Well, I mean, listen, I was justified, and I had to do it. I mean, I, I, there are some instances where I do worry about the implications of that. For instance, you have the the Supreme Court, the 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 Merrick Garland situation, where you have, you know. Mitch McConnell says, I'm, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to you give him a hearing. We're not going to talk to him. We're just going to pretend that, that that completely constitutionally correct nomination just didn't happen. Right. Because we are control. We have the votes. We right. have uh, not even 60 votes. We have whatever, 52 votes. Right. And that is enough for us not to, to hear him again. And we're just going to sit and we're going to wait right. until our guy gets in there. And then we're going we're gonna to put somebody else in as if that nomination never happened. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that tactic is deplorable. It, it is. It's, it's despicable. I'm not to mention the outcome is horrible. But, mm-hmm. but but just tactically, I find that totally wrong. I don't know that I could blame the Democrats if they did the same thing in the next go around. Because at a certain point, mm-hmm. y- y- I mean, there's only nine spots on that right. bench, right? right? At right. a certain point, you, you you lose everything. Right. You know? Right. At a certain point, it's existential mm-hmm. for, you know, people who... who who don't want to see a you know complete right wing takeover of the government right. to to fight dirty yeah you know and now that that's, that's, that's been established yeah get in power and say so we want to make sure that that didn't ha- doesn't yeah. happen again yeah and we've got the power for it but we're going to talk to you because mm-hmm. we're now in power yeah and your options are yeah. you work with us so that we put up a barrier to keep that from happening yeah. or we exercise the right that yeah. you define yes. as yeah. a right. Because yeah. if you do it to us, we'll do it to you. Yeah. When you were talking about that, it reminds me of uh, FDR and the court packing situation that happened back in the 40s right. where Roosevelt was president for 12 years, yep. longer than any other president, and right. you know that record will never be broken. And I think he brought in five, I'm thinking six Supreme Court justices mm-hmm. at that time. Um, my numbers may be wrong. Mm-hmm. But as a direct result of that, came Brown v. Board of Education. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the NAACP had been submitting all yeah. of these court 
trying to challenge right. racial segregation, yeah. and none of the Supreme Court justices will vote on it right. until FDRs. Of course, right. this was right. way after FDR passed away. Right. Now, the seeds that he sowed right. created the situation that in 1954 – Brown v. Board of Education was passed. So we, we will be looking down the road at this. We will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but what's the, what's the opposite of that, though? Well, <laughs> maybe right right? now. Yeah, I mean, that's we're getting we're <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, so. which when I read, I thought was an okay novel. I like the concept. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and now it just feels more and more like, oh my God, how close are we to this? <laughs> yeah. When is somebody going to legislate yeah. this? Because they, you yeah. know, introduce legislation. In this direction, because they seem to be aiming right there. Well, I mean, I think in in the in the Handmaid's Tale, it's it's brought on by a sort of environmental catastrophe, right? Where where fertility becomes an issue, and right. sure enough, we are. We, I mean, it may not be fertility, but there 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 are lots of ways in which environmental catastrophe right. are going to facilitate potentially uh, really bad things by government, right? Yeah. Because uh, okay. you know, it, it, as as the, the sort of ship goes down, mm-hmm. people get more willing to take right. extreme measures. Yeah. And, and yeah, never underestimate the politics of fear. Yeah, you know, exactly. The Republicans have been kings of, uh, kings of that, you know, since the 50s and McCarthyism and, and then Nixon and then Bush and 9-11 and terrorism and, and now we have this. Right. Well, I hope we don't get tired soon because we got a lot of work to do. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. I'm tired. I, well, I'm very, very optimistic. I think America, if there's one thing America does is it, cre- it's, it may do bad especially politically, but it has a way of correcting itself. So I think 2020, I'm, I'm just very openly optimistic. Shout-outs. Shout-outs. Well, I was saying earlier that um, Theater Bay Area has just announced their awards. And the thing was they did – so yesterday they, they announced the list, a finalist. Um, you have to – you can go to Facebook and look it up, or you can get it on YouTube. Um, but their 2017 TBA Awards finalist list, all this tells me is what the categories were. So it was design – Acting in a play, mm-hmm. acting in a musical, mm. directing, productions, and world premieres. So that's uh, – and I know that my Facebook feed yesterday just filled up with people, you know, a couple of days before. It was like, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then yesterday mm-hmm. it was like, oh, my God, thank you and congratulations. Yeah, I, think, I think an ideal husband uh, at the DMT was nominated. So that was – It was. The, uh, it definitely was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I heard so many things being nominated. Yeah. I can't even Coyne go through the that. list. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, you know, good luck for all of those folks who got nominated, or congratulations for those who got nominated, and the best of luck. So there was that, and then birthdays. Where's my birthdays? So I have a couple of birthdays. Um, My nephew, Sam, uh, he is five years old. Uh, His birthday was on the 13th. Mm -hmm. Also, Ben Couch, who was also, uh, I interviewed him. This is a while back. This is uh, the um, English-born actor here in the Bay Area. And his birthday was uh, yesterday, no, three days ago, the 13th. And uh, a good friend of mine, Kat Downs, uh, who is a a musician, actress, and her birthday is tomorrow. Uh, uh, Daryl Harper's birthday was yesterday, and he was most recently in that show at the Shelton Theater. Okay. So I know Daryl. Yeah, Daryl's wonderful. He's a lot of fun. And, you know, and I talked to him as he was going into that production. And he was like, well, it's a really interesting play. I hope we can, you know, get it together. And so I know he was really disappointed when suddenly it became, the controversy became not about what was on stage. But oh, yeah, yeah, wasn't. that's right. That's oh, right. I think oh I yeah. Uh, Andrew Nance, who works at the New Conservatory Theater. I've known him for a long time. Paul Jennings, wonderful classical actor. Well, all around, but definitely classical. Mm-hmm. Um, AJ. Right on. Oh, these, these are now people I'm talking about. 
coming up in the next week. Why in the world? AJ's um, Marquis' birthday yeah. is uh, Wednesday. Okay. Uh, Christine Young. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what Christine is doing anymore. I, I know she teaches, but she's um, been a part of the theater mm-hmm. scene, and I knew her through the Playwrights Festival. So, okay. Um, yeah, Patricia Milton. Um, and then a woman I went to high school with, Krista Carson Elhai. Mm-hmm. She got married to another alum. And she took over our high school theater department. And just a couple of years ago, they built a brand new theater there. Oh, nice. So it was a huge program when we were there. She's made the program even bigger. So Cool. Uh, Julie Evans, actress I know who lives in Chicago. And Sherry Young, the artistic, I think she's the executive director of the African American Shakespeare Company. Awesome. Oh, and writer. <laughs> we'll finish up with a writer next Friday. Mm-hmm. Enrique Yureta. Nice, nice. So those are happy birthday to you all. Yeah, I wanted to give a special shout out to an actor, Terry Lamb. Uh, Terry yeah. Lamb is a, a longtime uh, actor who is um, filmmaker, director, writer. That's right, that's right. He's all around guy. I remember uh, working with him uh, during a French festival, uh, one of Linda S. Frederick's piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it was Blizzard and uh, Plumber, and uh, he's going. I think he's undergoing uh, liver cancer. He's doing better now, but he is right. in Nevada right now, and uh, Linda Ayers Frederick had mentioned him two weeks ago, and I uh, emailed him, and he says he's doing great, and, you know, next time he's in town, hopefully he'll pop in and, you know, we'll get a show in for him, but I wanted to wish him the absolute best. Um, what about you, Ruben? Do you have anything uh, going on? Any uh, shows you want to promote? Uh, yeah. I don't, unfortunately. I wish I did. Uh, I have uh, this play that I'm working on right now, so I'm kind of in the I'm I'm in the caves writing right now, and yeah. hopefully I'll emerge sometime in the next six months. Awesome, actually three months. Yeah. Well, and the new playground season is starting. Oh, that's right. The new playground season. Uh, the kickoff is Monday. Yeah. So I'm in. The, oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm a resident playwright there, so I'm not in the pool, so I'm not writing for the monthly things, mm-hmm. but um, I'm in the residency of trying to finish this commission I'm working on. That's mm-hmm. um about environmental catastrophe and the ship going down oh, and totally how we're doing timely, it. Try, you know, trying to wrestle with all this, which is, I think, why it's taken me much longer than I expected to do. Because it's, it's, it's a lot a, of research. Huh? It's a lot of research, and it's just a big topic, and it's it's a moving target. Um, right, yeah. It's, it's uh, you know, it keeps world keeps changing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you in the midst of rehearsals yet, or no? No, i um, got another month. Okay, we'll, oh, we'll okay, start good up. for you. Yeah, no, i same, same for me. Yeah, you're in Hamlet, and I'm in uh, Civil War Christmas, and so we'll just wait until, you know, those. Well, yeah, I'll definitely be putting out more. It's a Arabian Shakespeare. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's it's been exciting. The little emails going back and forth have been exciting. We're, we're getting cuts. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, ooh, this is going to be, I, I, I think of it as like a little sports coupe. It's a little turbocharged yeah. Hamlet. It's, I'd rather have my cuts qu- earlier than later. Oh, you yeah. Know, it's, it's much easier to... You can't forget something if you never remembered it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Right. And the cuts are, are simple, but there's some smart places. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know Shakespeare, Shakespeare structurally is often a talk about something that's coming up, have the scene where it happens, mm-hmm. talk about it in the scene mm-hmm. afterwards, make reference to it. And that makes it really easy to kind of go, well, since we have the current concept of flashback, mm-hmm. why don't we just jump to that neat, you know, jump mm-hmm. to the post scene? Flashback the important stuff and just mm. drop the whole setup or reduce the setup yep. significantly. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that was smart. I'm sure somebody's thought of that before, but wow, <laughs> it's been it's been juicy. <laughs> oh, I'm reading I'm reading something that's happening. Remember Tan Tan Dway? Of course. Yeah, he's uh, doing Natural Woman in Aretha story. 
He's uh, been doing a series of yeah, these. Yeah, but that's um, in Georgia. Yeah, so. it's in Atlanta. <laughs> Anyone in the Bay Area, forget about yeah, that. Yeah, he's in yeah. Atlanta, but um, he's done a series of them. He's done Little Richard. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, no, he's done, there's mm-hmm. been a bunch. And nice. I never, because it's so far away, I never, like, bother to look and see what the reviews are, but I'm just excited. He's he's very talented. He's a, he's a wonderful performer, but he's also a really brilliant writer. Is that right? And he's been directing. And wow. I'm like, wow, my little boy has grown it's, up. It's wonderful to see actors flourish. Yeah. I mean, you know, that that's really, really cool. Yeah, when we worked with him, he was playing James Baldwin, and it was wonderful to have. Because mm-hmm. in our story, James Baldwin was a young man, and you really needed that mm-hmm. boyish energy almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was exciting to have somebody who could ground that and mm-hmm. yet still give us that sense of yeah, burging homosexuality. Yeah. You saw that play. Uh, yes, that's I did. Right. That's Before right. the dream. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. I did. Holy yeah. cow. That's I, right. I invited him. That's right. I think I invited yeah. him. Yeah. No, you did. Yeah, you did. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, the, he saw it at the teatro. Yep. Oh, that was the better. I like that space better. Yeah, yeah. It was tighter, the audience, the mm-hmm. lighting. And everything. no dust. <laughs> and no what? No dust. Yeah, sorry about the dust. Well, hey, it wasn't, it wasn't your fault at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I will, uh, I'm going to pimp the, uh, the musical cafe. Uh, that's... Um, the uh, the four musicals, uh, twenty minute musicals that mm-hmm. that we are uh, producing at the Musical Cafe, Love the Struggle, book by Stacy Cray, um, The Loving Tree, music lyrics and book by Peter Master, Pickpocket, book and lyrics by Sarah Catston, music by Billy Wolf, and Nia, uh, r- music and lyrics and book by me, Reg Clay. Hey. And that'll be uh, way in October. You have plenty of time. Right. October 26, 27, 28 at Piano Fight. So that's going to be awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yay. Well, for future stuff, I, I want to come back to, and I'm putting it out there just to sort of put a bookmark in it, mm-hmm. the Mandela Effect. Ah. <laughs> Are we living in the remnants of an alternate universe? <laughs> <laughs> because, um, I don't know, I just started reading about it and it kind of kept me up last night. It, it mm-hmm. was disturbing. Wonderfully fruitful if you want to create mm-hmm. stuff, but yeah. it's like, wait a minute, isn't the reality I know the reality I know? And Well, we can get into existentialism, you know. Are we really living or are we still in bed, you know, sleeping? Well, this is stuff like, was Fruit Loop spelled with F-R-U-I-T mm-hmm. or F-R-O-O-T? Oh. And... You're like, well, wait a minute. I've seen that box my whole life, haven't I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just the memory, you know. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the memory plays with you. Uh, yeah. The biggest one in the name comes from um, apparently a, a psychic um, mm-hmm. said something about the – she was referencing the death that she thought she remembered from 2008 yeah. of Nelson Mandela. Mm-hmm. She wrote this in 2010. Mandela died in 2013. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but when she wrote about it and then wrote about finding out she was wrong, she said it was weird because she had memories of seeing the funeral broadcast on TV. Other people started writing to her and saying that they, too, had these memories. I remember what I was doing when I heard and blah, blah, blah. I believe there was a TV show or something like that that's pretty famous for there's the same thing. There's a movie coming or out movie. next year. What's, uh, it, what's it called? Uh, the Mandela Effect. Oh, no, but there's a, a specific movie that a lot of people believe exists and that they saw on television. Oh, but there's, uh, no uh, there's, w- there's one they reference in the – because, like I said, I yeah, didn't I'm read sure a lot about this. this yeah. um, Sinbad, the yes. comedian. Yes. The, everybody thinks that he did a movie where he was a genie. He was a genie. And it, there is no such movie. <laughs> yes. It does not exist. But yes. people can tell yeah. you the title That's of it. That's the one. That's the one I'm thinking of. Yep. Yeah, subliminal, subliminal thinking. Of course, Sinbad, the name, suggests that's that it's a genie movie. Yeah. And right. also, Shaq Fu. Well, I, there, there was one that Shaq did. Shaq did a genie movie, movie yeah. yeah. 
maybe. What well, no, Shaq did? Um, um, was it Shaq? Did Shazam. Kabam or Kazam? Kazam. Yeah. Yeah. Kazam. yeah. Yeah. And so, but when people are asked about that, they're like, no, 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 it's they not conf- that. It's they conflate the they, two. Or yeah. they seem some, to. But, yeah. You know, and so then, so I went through these lists, and for the most part, most of that I felt could easily be explained by all kinds of tricks of memory. Interesting. But I finally hit a couple hours like, no, wait a minute. No, I totally remember it. Wait a minute, what? No, I, I remember. <laughs> and I, I went down, somebody yeah. described it as a rabbit hole. And I was like, yes, I went all the way down that rabbit hole yep. mm-hmm. and found all kinds of evidence to prove that I was wrong. <laughs> and yet I'm going, but but I, I remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I tell you, uh, you know, and we've talked about family members and, you know, we go through that. It's like, well, you know, you know, your uncle had this or whatever. It's like, what are you talking about? That I don't remember that. No, and, you I, know, I thank God for my siblings because I can say, you remember? Okay, if we remember, then maybe it was true. <laughs> but mom, I don't know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like you can't trust anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Our brain. Including your own brain. <laughs> <laughs> tricky, tricky. Okay, we should wrap it up. Yeah. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app and on all iPhones and iPads. You just find the Yay on iTunes, especially on that new iPhone 8 or 10 that you just Ten. <laughs> it's only $1,000, right? Yeah, just under, just under. Just under, yes, yeah, uh so, yeah, so just click on, um, yeah, if you're on a desktop or a laptop, just click on iTunes, click on store, use the search engine on the upper left-hand side, and search for the Yay, and you'll find us. For Android users, download, download the SoundCloud app and search for the Yay. The Yay was created by theater people and for theater people. If you have a show that you want to advertise or you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, and we will take it from there. Yeah, and we've got to find a better, better sign-off. Sign <laughs> and we are out. <laughs>